Yeah, good, good. Some of you are like, wow, that was a cool video. Was that his real voice? No, that was not his real voice. Hey, I'm so glad you're here today. You survived the candy apocalypse, right, in your neighborhood. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're launching a new series today called Whatever, and it's Kids Day. And so parents, thank you so much for letting us take your kids for an hour or two and getting them hyped up on more sugar and more fun, because our goal is when they go home today that they will take a nap. Can I say amen? Amen. amen. That's right. So thank you for being here today. We're launching this new series, and we're going to be looking out of uh, one book in the Bible for about three or four weeks that I think it's, it's my favorite book in the entire New Testament. And we're going to be looking at one guy. His name was Paul who uh, met Jesus on a road called Damascus, and Jesus profoundly changed his life. But uh, we're talking about whatever, and I do promise this during the series over the next couple of weeks, you will never say the word whatever the same way after the next four weeks. So I'm so, so excited. Hey, before I begin today and before we jump into the series, I want to tell you guys something that I think just is cool and we need to celebrate. On Sunday, December the 9th, we shared this with our LaGrange campus, but on Sunday, December the 9th, we are launching our second service in the city of LaGrange at our LaGrange campus. I just want us to celebrate that today. That is just really, really awesome. So we're going to kick this thing off. And uh, have you noticed that we live in a whatever world? I mean, there are things that happen to us every day that we just look at and say, whatever, like what just happened? Like, why is that happening? Right? I mean, I saw some of you out in the neighborhoods last night and I walked by and I said, whatever. Okay. And you were so nice with your slasher mask on. You reached out and shook my hand. It was awesome. So I'm just like, we live in this whatever world and the world we live in, we face so many whatevers. If we're not careful, all of the things that we face in our life will tend to want to define us in our life. Now, I just want you to know there's something really strange that happened in our world this week. This was my kind of whatever moment. It wasn't a college football game. I know some of you think that. It wasn't a World Series game, although that's getting really interesting. But I will tell you this. This week, our country celebrated National Cat Day. Whatever. Okay. I'm just like, oh, I saw that and it just kind of scared me. I've had these images of evil kittens in my face all week. So I just want to tell you, whatever. Okay. If you're into cats, whatever. If you're into dogs, whatever. You know, if you're into whatever, I'm just glad that you're here today. Okay. So we have a tendency in our lives to face all of these circumstances that just make us want to say whatever. And yet God doesn't want us to be defined by the circumstances of our life. You know, we all want to live with purpose, but the problem is many times our problems seem much bigger than our purpose. Have you ever thought about that? Your problems just seem to come along and you, you just get your life together and things are going really good and all of a sudden just a problem comes and it just knocks you off and you say what this great theologian said a few years back. He said, because you had a bad day. You're taking one down. You sing a bad song just to turn it around. You don't know. You tell me a lie. You work at a smile. You go for a ride. You had a bad day. He said, the camera don't lie. You're looking back down. You really don't mind. You just had a bad day. Just had a bad day. Some of you are going to be singing that in your head all day long, okay? You want to have purpose in your life but your life seems to be defined by all these problems that just cause us to have bad days after bad days 
after bad days. God wants so much more for that. In fact, I want to make a statement that's very profound. God wants more for you than happiness. God wants more for you than happiness. Now think about that statement. Because most of us in this room, when it comes to our lives and our relationships and our families and our finances, what we really say to all our friends all the time is this, I just want to be happy. But God wants more for us than just happiness. And for some of you today, you've never heard that before because you think that happiness is where life ends. And the truth is, happiness just happens. Happiness is so defined by what happens to us, right? And so we look at our lives and we go, man, things are just happening to me. And sometimes I feel like I'm not even in control of anything. But then every now and then we experience this thing called joy And when we do, we realize that people who have joy and have voided happiness, instead they have joy, they seem to have a way of coping with whatever happens in their life. Which brings me to something we've got to talk about today as we open the series. Now, I know on Time Change Sunday, there's a lot deeper thoughts you could have, but I want to talk to you about fate versus providence. You see, part of this series about whatever we're going to face, we got to answer this question in our lives because even many believers just believe that their lives are just the things that happen to them and they have no control. And then some of us in this room, we believe in more than fate. We believe in providence. So let me, let me explain what fate is. Fate basically says this, whatever is must be, that there's really no purpose of my life or of the things that happened to me in my life. If you have ever felt that way and I have my arm raised too, would you raise your arm? Things are just happening. I mean, I feel like my life is final destination 27, right? Things are just happening to me. And you often feel like that life has no purpose because you just think whatever is must be. And that's what fate says. But listen to what providence says. Providence says this, whatever God plans must be. That somehow there's a God in the universe that is enacting things to happen. And when he allows them to happen, they happen for a purpose. That God's not up there going, oh, I didn't see that coming. God is up there going, no, not only did I allow that, I maybe ordered that. And I brought that into your life because maybe whatever is happening to you has a greater purpose. So that leaves us with a very, very profound question we have to answer today when it comes to fate and providence. Is my life the sum of all that happens to me? Is my life the sum of whatever happens to me? Think about that question today. Is my life the sum of whatever happens to me? Because depending on how you answer that question, here's where you go with it. You look at your life like a set of scales. And if enough bad happens to you that seems in your mind or in your heart or in your life to outweigh the good, then you tend to believe that more bad has happened to you. And so your life seems to be defined or determined the sum of whatever happens to you. And if your life is good and there's so much more good than bad in this world, first of all, your friends think you're doing drugs. Just teasing. Uh, Laugh, everyone. Chill out, okay? The truth is, your friends are like, oh, how in the world could you experience so much good in your life that even though you're going through these bad things, 
These good things seem to outweigh these bad things. And and we live our life in the teetering of that scale. And so we struggle with this question. Is my life the sum of whatever happens to me? But I want to give you a thought today. What if God can give us a life that is bigger than the sum of whatever happens to us? You ever think about that? What if God can refine me by whatever happens to me instead of allowing it to define me. Because a lot of us, when we look at our lives, we look at past hurts and past memories and we we go back to the things that we say, oh, I wish I would have never made that decision. I wish I would have never taken that job. I wish I would have never married that person. I wish I would have never moved to that state. And the truth is, wait a minute. What if God can give us a life that is bigger than whatever happens to us. Because this is a very honest statement I wanna make to you today. How we say whatever will determine how we face the circumstances of our life. You'll, You'll either do this, you'll either cop an attitude like I have times and things happen and they tend to roll. By the way, have you ever noticed bad things happen in threes? Some of you go, well, no, they seem to happen in sevens in my life, okay? We often think, you know, things bad, and, and the thought is that things happen to you, and they begin to shape you, and all of a sudden, you just say, whatever, and you give up on God's purpose for your life, or you get to a place in your life that you understand that God can even take the good, the bad, the ugly, and the worst, or the brilliant, and you're able to say, God, whatever, whatever. I'm not defined by the things that happen to me. I'm not the sum of all that happens to me. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of Philippians chapter one. We're gonna be in this book called Philippians. It's one of Paul's letters. It's over in the New Testament. Paul wrote a lot of letters to a lot of people, especially a lot of churches. And uh, by the way, the, the word whatever is used 10 times just in the book of Philippians. And so it's one of those key words when you read the book of Philippians, you're just like, man, there's this theme Throughout the whole book, it must be about facing our whatevers. And we're going to talk about that. So Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. It was one of the churches that he had been to, and he wanted to remind them of some things. The crazy thing about this letter, though, is that Paul wrote this letter from a Roman jail. And he literally wrote this letter from a prison cell, and he was chained probably between two Roman guards, and he was awaiting trial for his faith. He had literally preached Jesus so long and so hard to the world around him that they put him in jail for his faith. And Paul, being who Paul was, decided that, hey, I don't want to be in any jail. I want to make a statement just like Paul would. And he said this, as a Roman citizen, I don't want to just sit in some jail cell over in some obscure place. I want to appeal to a higher court. So he had appealed to Caesar in Rome. And it said, hey, listen, I am a Roman citizen. Therefore, will you hear my case? And here's what's amazing about this moment, because it is so like what we are going through in America today when it comes to religious freedom and religious rights. Paul said this, Caesar, I want you to hear my case because after hearing my case, you're gonna have to make a decision on the future of Christianity in Rome. Man, that's bold. So Paul, in this moment, he understands the courts. They're about to make a statement that will literally define Christianity all over the world. So look what he says in verse 12. He says this to us. He says, now, 
I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So you ask the question, well, what in the world had happened to Paul? What happened to Paul? Right? Like, we don't know. Usually Paul tells us a lot of things. But in this phrase, he literally just says, I want you to know what's happened to me because it's served to advance the gospel. What happened to Paul? Well, in Acts 21 through 28, we see a synopsis of what happened to Paul when he had a really bad day, right? All the circumstances of life come against you. The first thing that happened to Paul was this. When he met Christ, he realized that Jesus wasn't just for the Jews, that it was for the Gentiles, right? We saw that in Acts 10 during our Come Alive series. And Paul basically said, everybody's getting Jesus and I want every." So you know what he did? He brought the Gentiles into the temple and the Jews freaked out. And so they were like, oh, so he was arrested. He was illegally arrested for bringing Gentiles into the temple. It got even worse than that. The Romans, they thought Paul was an Egyptian renegade. They thought he was a terrorist. And so they looked at him and they were like, man, we got we to gotta, we gotta watch this guy. They were kind of watching him like, you know, we may just cut his throat in the middle of the night or something. And then there were their religious and political leaders Paul was a threat to them because they wanted to establish like their religious and political rule. And Paul came in and said, "Uh uh-uh, it ain't about that anymore. It's about one name and his name is Jesus. And he changed me on the road to Damascus. And so Paul, he's literally being despised by religious and political leaders. And then through that, he becomes imprisoned in this town called Caesarea for two years. And it's while he's sitting in that prison that he turns around and appeals to Caesar and says, hey, Caesar, why don't you bring me to Rome and we'll have a little talk about what I've done. But here's what Paul really wanted. He wanted to preach Christ in Rome above anything. He said, if I could reach Rome, we could change the world. And so what does he do? In this prison, he appeals. Caesar says, yeah, I'll hear your case. He gets with a group of people and they get on a ship and they start sailing and all of a sudden the the ship is wrecked. He is in a shipwreck and he almost dies on the shipwreck and he ends up on this island for three months as a castaway talking to a volleyball saying, Wilson, okay? Just thought I'd throw that in there, that picture. And he's out here and he's like, He's, he's just like, why is all, no, he's not saying that because then he gets his big break while he's on the, the island. He finds out that he's going to Rome and he makes it to Rome and he's writing to us. And he said, brothers, I want you to know what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Here's the thing I want you to hear that Paul said we need to catch today. What others see as a setback, God's often using as a setup. Can I get an amen? amen? Anybody agree with that today? I mean, Paul going through all the stuff he went through. I mean, he just wanted to get to Rome to face trial. He's like, dude, I just want to get to the Roman prison because I hear they crucified people really good. <laughs> and he says, wait a minute. I'm shipwrecked. I'm going through all these things. I've been imprisoned. I've been stoned. I've been throwing all, I mean, people just trying to kill me. But what others see as a setback, God often uses as a setup in our lives. Then look what he says in verse 13. As a result, 
It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Look what he says in verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So I want to paint the picture for you here. This is crazy cool. He is sitting in a jail. He's probably chained between two two men. Every six hours, they replace the Roman guard. And so he's sitting in a jail and four times a day, two different Roman guards had to sit there and listen to Paul do nothing but probably talk about Jesus. Can you imagine the conversation they had in their homes at night? Honey, there's this one prisoner and I hate him because if I have to guard him one more time, he sits there for six hours and he does nothing but write letters to people and talk about Jesus. And yet every one of those things, and here's what Paul was saying, it's apparent that I am in chains for Christ. And it's apparent that through my chains, other people are getting more and more bold about this Jesus thing. Because here's what Paul learned. Through my chains, others can be changed. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I want to leave you with a a thought here today. Think about this. What if your whatever that you're facing is really not about you? You ever contemplated that? What if whatever you're facing is really not about you? What if God is allowing that in your life and it has a bigger purpose than you ever dreamed? Some of us say, well, I don't like that. I I don't want to face whatevers. But the truth is, are you willing to go through whatever if it benefits somebody else? Paul said, all these people here in the jail, Fred, Larry, William, Paul, your name's Paul. And he's looking at them and he's saying, everyone knows I'm in chains for Christ. And it's apparent that through my chains, others can be changed. But here's the struggle we have with that. We say this, God, why is this happening to me? Now, I know you're a lot more mature in faith than I am. I I seem to say that a lot. Like, God, why is this happening to me? And I remember one time, saying those very words and hearing the Lord kind of speak back to me in a soft voice and say this, Sean, as long as you believe the circumstances you face are all about you, you'll never understand what you face. It's not about you. It's not about you. So all these circumstances he's going through, he's basically saying this, whatever I face can have a redeeming effect as long as it makes others become closer to Jesus. Wow. Now, see, here's the thought with that, though. We always quote Romans 8.28, and Romans 8.28 says this, right? Romans 8.28 says, says this, all things work together for the good of those who love the... Say it. All those work together for the good of those who love the... And we stop and we go, God, you're doing this, blah, blah, blah. The only part is we forget the half part of the verse that says, for those who are called according to his purpose. What if God is allowing the whatever's in your life and they have a greater purpose than you ever dreamed they could have? Makes you see life differently, doesn't it? 
And that's what Paul said. He said, through my chains, others can be changed. You know what else Paul realized? He realized that sometimes the circumstances we face are when others do things to us. Like I know probably you have perfect friends. They never do anything ill or wrong to you, right? But Paul, he literally said, I'm in this prison and there are other people's whatevers and their whatevers could affect my life. But look what he says in verse 15. He says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others do so out of goodwill. He said, there's people out here preaching about Jesus and they don't have anything but bad motives. He says, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Look what he says. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. In other words, they're out here talking about Jesus and they want to profit from it. Paul's sitting in a prison. You think he was angry about that? He said, they want to preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not, out of, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me. In other words, they're thinking, if we talk enough about this, they'll go ahead and kill Paul. Look what he says, verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Here's what Paul was basically saying. He said, listen, I know all these people are out here talking about this and some are doing it out of right motive. Some are, are they just want to get me killed and they're trying to stir this up. But here's what Paul said. I don't care. All I want is for other people to know about Jesus. Whatever. Can you imagine being that single-minded? That even the people who come against you in your life, and you know they have ill motives, you know they've said things about you, you know they've, they've done things to try to hurt you. And yet Paul said, whatever. I don't care. All I want is for more people to know about Jesus. I mean, do you think Paul was worried about being misunderstood? Maybe his reputation was being thrown into dirt. And yet Paul said, I don't care. Here's what Paul knew. If we're gonna stand with Jesus, then at some point in our life, we've gotta be willing to be misunderstood for Jesus, amen? I mean, if everyone loves us and they say, well, 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 you know, and I'm sure they looked at Paul and, 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 and they were saying, man, did you know Paul did this? And Paul, and Paul said, I don't care. I stand with Jesus and I'm willing to be misunderstood for Jesus because the one thing I care about is that other people know about Jesus. I love this. What a great whatever statement. Here's what he was saying. I am not defined by what others do to me. I am defined by what Jesus did for me. Whatever. Whatever. I can hear Paul say it. I'm at peace because I know Jesus is bigger than whatever anyone could say about me. Wow. I mean, you kind of look at that and you go, man, Paul must have been like, a really positive person. In fact, some people would look at Paul at this point and they would say this, Paul has allowed the inner self to be quiet. Namaste, okay? No, that was not Paul. Listen, nobody would look at Paul and say, you know, I think Paul would be a great guest on the Oprah Network, okay? That's not what they were saying about Paul. I think most people thought this guy's crazy. Like how in the world can you be chained? How in the world can you face all these circumstances and literally you're just like, God, whatever. I trust you. 
What was it? Did Paul just have a good positive thinking coach? I mean, did Paul just have a lot of people who were sending him words of encouragement? No, 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 no. What was Paul's secret? Because the truth is, there's no amount of happiness in our life that will help us face the whatevers we're going to face. It wasn't happiness. There had to be more. I'm going to give you a couple statements that I think are true of what Paul would say to us today and how we can live with the whatevers in our life. I want to give you the first statement. Listen, it's right here. Whatever. God has the power to deliver me through my circumstances to himself. That's what Paul would say. He'd say, whatever. God has the power to deliver me through my circumstances. He'd say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 19 real quick. Look at what he says. He says, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, uh, spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my, what's that word? Deliverance. Was he delusional? He's in a prison. All these people are speaking against him. All these people want him killed. And he says, here's what I know. God has already prepared and provided for me. You've prayed for me. He's talking to the church. And he said, and God's Holy Spirit is at work in me. And it's working towards my deliverance. You know what that word deliverance means? It means to be taken from somewhere to something. It even means more than that. It means to be set free from something and delivered to someone. And Paul, he says, man, whatever. God has the power to deliver me through my circumstances to himself. And I just believe that today. It's no longer about whatever I face. It's about who I face it with. And that allows me to say whatever. Paul, in that moment, I have to believe that he was literally looking at them and saying, man, I've got the support of others and I've got the supply of God's spirit. Dude, I'm delivered. How could a person be set free that deeply? It wasn't about him. It was about who was in him. Paul said, whatever. You know what else he said? He said, whatever. He said, my circumstances are opportunities to make Jesus big in me. So whatever, my circumstance, they're just opportunities. They're, they're inroads, they're angles so that Jesus can be big in me. Look what he says in verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. We will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted. Say exalted. That Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. That word exalted means to be magnified. And here's what it means. It means what I am going through, my circumstances are opportunities to take the, take the lens of who God is and how big he is and literally show the world that Jesus is big in me. <laughs> Whatever. All my circumstances are nothing more than the opportunities to let Jesus be big in me. He said, even if I die, I want Jesus to be exalted in my body. I remember first time I ever served in student ministry was in Oklahoma City and I was a young intern learning. I had a 15-year-old girl in my student ministry who was diagnosed with cancer. Her name was Crystal. Very popular girl, very beautiful girl. 
I remember sitting with her at a burger joint one time, and she was about three months away from passing to be with Jesus. And I looked at her. She didn't have any hair. She had been through all types of chemo. She had fought. And I looked at her, and I said, Crystal, what is it you want? And she said, I want Jesus to be so big in me that all of my friends come to him. And I watched her for three months make Jesus big through her circumstances. Whatever. My circumstances are only opportunities to make Jesus big in me. You know what else he said? He said, whatever, because Jesus is my life. What he says in verse 21, he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now I've heard people share this verse a lot over the years. And I always hear people focus on the last part of this verse, and to die is gain. And here's how we say it. Lord, I am done with all the whatevers I face in my life. And so I would just really be okay. Like it really would be a gain if I would die because what I'm facing here is so bad and so difficult and so tough. Death feels like a gain to me. I hear people say that all the time. But Paul, you're, you're missing the contrast he's making here. He said, for to me, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. He was saying, Christ is my life. So I want you to fill in this blank today. Look what it says. Blank is my life. Blank is my life. My career is my life. My wealth is my life. My children are my life. My grandchildren are my life. My job, my school, my college education, my car. Listen, anything we place in that blank will determine how we face the whatevers in our life. That's what Paul said. Anything we put in that blank. But Paul said this, he said, Christ is my Life. He is the core of my existence. He is my one and only. He is my exclusive. Like I could try to plus a lot of things, like I want Jesus plus things. But Paul said, no, 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 no. For me to live is Christ. There is nothing else. But here's our struggle. We want Jesus as part of our life. We just won't make Jesus our life, right? I mean, that's what some of you are saying today. And so I, I'm like you, I'm like, yeah, there, there's been times where Jesus hasn't really been my life. And, and, and what I do is I begin to ask the question, well, what am I trying to make Jesus? So I wrote some of these down because I've done this too. We try to make Jesus our weekend motivator. Huh, I'm coming to church on Sunday. There's going to be a pep rally and Jesus is going to come out of the grave and we're going to be all good again. And we're going to go home and woo, we're going to golf clap. Weekend motivator. I want Jesus as my holiday figurine. We're going to get him out of the closet and set him on the front. And for 30 days, we're going to look at him and pray that nobody steals him out of the front yard. He's our holiday figurine, right? Oh, Jesus, he's my fear negotiator. Like I am struggling. I'm having a, a really hard time. So we call out, Jesus, help me. Come negotiate my fear. 
Or here's what we do. He is my attorney at heaven's gates. Hey, Jesus, could you litigate this for me? There seems to be something wrong. I paid that ticket, right? He's our attorney at the gates. Or for some of us, we're just like, Jesus, he's my homeboy. Me and Jesus, we homeboy, we hanging out. Okay, the truth is, Jesus is probably much bigger than your homeboy, okay? He's my crisis manager. Like I'm in a crisis and so I need Jesus to show up because I believe that you know he can handle any crisis that I can't handle and so Jesus, I want you as my crisis manager. And then the craziest one we do with Jesus many times is we make him our genie in a bottle. Hey God, I'm rubbing your scriptures. I need you to come out of this thing and... Solve my problems. <laughs> you ever done that? I have. Oh, Jesus, you are my genie in the bottle. <laughs> That's what Paul said. Listen to what Paul said. Jesus is my life. To live is Christ. To live, to exist, to function Christ. See, here's the truth. The thing that excites us and motivates us is the thing that really is life to us. That's true today. The thing that excites us and motivates us, this is the thing that's really life to us. I mean, I heard someone say years ago, life is what you're alive to. What are you alive to today? What lights you up? Because Paul said, I found this little secret. My whatever is tied to the fact that Jesus is my life. So I know what you're thinking because you're thinking, well, Sean, as a believer, why am I still facing all of these whatevers? Remember what I said in the beginning, how you learn to say whatever will determine how you face your circumstances in life. Remember I said that Paul understood that my chains are for someone else's change in life? That it's not just about me. What if God's going to allow all this so that many others can be changed because of what I go through? So as a believer, you're here today and you're like, Sean, why does God let all this happen? I don't know the whole why question of that. But I do know this. I do know this. As a believer, when the whatever's happen, you have a choice. And I also know this, the enemy, although he wants to destroy you, he's afraid of one key truth I want you to leave with today as a believer in Christ. Look at this quote here. He says this, he said, Satan will not continue to assault you if the circumstances he designed to destroy you are now working to perfect you. What if the whatevers you face as a believer are making you submit more of your life to God and it's no longer just about Jesus on your lips, but it's about the nature of Jesus in your heart. And in doing so, you're submitting to God and what's happening is the enemy has to flee from you. You know why? Because the enemy can't stand Jesus. And some of you feel attacked all the time. You're giving the devil so much credit in your life and you kind of look at him like, oh, he's so much more powerful than God. And he's saying, what if the one thing, what if the one thing that's coming against you is God's way of saying, submit to me. And when you do that, the enemy will flee because anything that makes you look more like Jesus, he can't stand. 
What if everything is working to perfect you to be more like Jesus? I want you to bow your heads with me today. See, I know that when you say this, a lot of people, here's the fear that happens in their life. Because we've got to define what we're really afraid of in this moment. Here's what we're afraid of. We are afraid that whatever we face will cost us our life. And we almost make God out to be like a bad father. Like, like if I really do that, like if I really make Jesus my life, he's going to allow something really bad to happen to prove the fact that he's bigger than that. No. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, that's when you find it. Jesus said these words. Let me, let me be very clear because I, I, I want to literally tell the devil note in this moment for you, okay? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's who he is. And so today as you're sitting here, you're like, I'm afraid. If I make Jesus my life, I will lose my life. And I want to tell you today that until Jesus is your life, you have no life. And I want to say this even more. Your whatever doesn't have to be defined forever. Because the Bible says that God came and he sent his son for you. 